need somebody Help Not just anybody Help You know I need someone Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Episode 168 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host, After retiring from medical practice, I became an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is Patients Association of Canada, Families and Family Caregivers. Now, here's what I've learned from Family Caregivers Unite about the needs of family caregivers. First of all, family caregivers are looking for help in addressing their loneliness by someone connecting them with other family caregivers facing similar challenges by enabling them to share their stories and by giving them access to individuals and organizations who are interested in family caregivers and family caregiving. Family caregivers are looking for help in addressing their needs for information with knowledge that is trustworthy, understandable and useful. Family caregivers are looking for help in addressing their desires to help other family caregivers by recounting their experiences, describing their successes, and by sharing their messages of hope. Family caregivers as a community of communities are looking for support in amplifying their voice, spreading their vision, and in publicizing their value. And these are the needs that I personally want Family Caregivers Unite to help meet. And these are the needs which make our topic today Patients Association of Canada, Families and Family Caregivers, so important. To discuss it, our, doc, our guest is Dr. Shalom Gluberman. Uh, Shalom is uh, president of the Patients Association of Canada. He's also philosopher in residence at the Kunin Lunenfeld Applied Research Unit of the Baker Centre for Geriatric Care. He's also a junk professor, University of Toronto, and for over 25 years, he's used what he calls philosophical methods to advise senior management, policymakers, and clinicians in the British and Canadian healthcare systems. In Britain, he's advised regional health authorities, individual primary care practices, the Audit Commission, and the Oxford Radcliffe, Radcliffe NHS Trust. In Canada, he's advised the Romano Commission and the McGill University Health Centre. In 2005, he underwent a major surgical procedure and became a patient. This experience and his subsequent book, My Operation, a graphic example of the disparity between the patient experience and institutional concerns led him to found the Patients Association of Canada in 2007. So welcome to the show, Shalom. Hello, Gordon. How are you? Thank you. Uh-huh. Thanks for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Great. Question number one for you. Please tell us something more about your professional career and your own experience with family caregiving. Well, I, I um, began... To, uh, I, my first experience with caregiving was caring for my father when he was dying of, uh, of colon cancer uh, many years ago. Uh, my mother and I spent every day in the hospital, all day in the hospital, uh, being with him. 
And um, during that time, I, I had a lot of chances to understand, to see and try to understand what was going on in the hospital. Um, I, I then began to work at that very hospital doing planning, doing physical planning, planning a new extension to the hospital, a, a major extension that included new ICUs and new birthing rooms and so on. And the, uh, both of those experiences sort of set me up to begin to become very, very fascinated by the whole uh, idea of what healthcare was and what, especially what the relationships were between the various players in the, in the healthcare world. Uh, then I got the chance to go to England and work at a, a large uh, think tank called the King's Fund and uh, spent five years there um, learning about the British healthcare system and came back here to, to Toronto where I became the, I, I became the philosopher in residence at Baycrest, but also took on some responsibilities with the Canadian Policy Research Network. So I ran their policy think tank for a number of years. And uh, then after I had my operation, I, I uh, joined with a couple of other people, and we began to uh, work on the Patients Association. So here we are. Right. Now, please tell us about the Patients Association of Canada, its mission, and please explain to us the needs the mission is responding to. Well, in the, in the history of healthcare, there there has been very little chance for patients to be actively involved in uh, in, in healthcare, largely because uh, modern healthcare, which started in the 1880s, was very scientific, and the expertise was all in the hands of the doctors, and in fact, all the authority was in the hands of the doctors. So. There is very little opportunity for patients to be engaged in the clinical side of things, either uh, for themselves or for uh, thinking about how services should be delivered or, or about developing policy. Um, when, when the morbidity of the population changed, when people began to suffer from long-term chronic incurable diseases, uh, that really does require that patients become engaged and become involved in it. And, um, and since there hasn't been very much chance for that to happen until now, we think that it's time for patients to become engaged, to become participants in the healthcare system, and the Patients Association is um, is helping them do that. Um, we're doing that in partnership with a lot of the a lot of the uh, providers. All many hospitals are involved with us, and the Ontario Medical Association. We work with them. We work with other groups who recognize the need to begin to involve and help patients participate in a productive way in the healthcare system. Please tell us about the association's services, the people to whom it provides these services, and how these services actually benefit those people. Well, we work with patients. What do you mean by the word we mean by patients is patients and caregivers and all the people who are having strong hospital experiences. And these are the people that we are trying to help. The way we are trying to help them is by having them take their own experiences and use their experiences as a basis for figuring out ways to improve those experiences and also to improve the experiences of everybody who works in healthcare. along with that. We believe that a better patient experience means a better experience for everyone in healthcare. Um, so we, we, we've been, been, been um, doing, uh, first of all, very minimal things, like uh, we give awards to doctors who are especially patient-friendly so that they can model good care, and we do that in partnership with the Ontario Medical Association. But much more actively, we, we're, we're working at Baycrest, which is a, a geriatric facility that I work in, to, to redesign uh, patient services together with patient and family services, together with um, 
with with the the staff and we we've uh, actually re just completed uh, a pretty dramatic redesign of uh, the process of admission uh, which is a very traumatic period for most people uh, and the that, that process has been changed uh, enough so that um, so that people can recognize the difference already and that the staff is beginning to appreciate what they're doing far more. And, and that's really interesting, that both staff and patients and families, staff and residents in this case and families, are recognizing the differences almost from the get-go. And I think it could only be done together with patients and uh, with, with residents and family members. Right. Let's talk a little bit more about the providers who you're working with, you know, the physicians mm-hmm. and people who work in hospitals. Um, how interested are they and what is their interest and how, how high is their interest in the kind of things you're doing? I think that the interest is, is mixed. I think that uh, the people who work with, uh, with uh, patients in, who, who have chronic conditions over a long period, who have long-term incurable chronic conditions, are very interested. Uh, I think that the, the people who are very, very highly specialized are somewhat less interested. But that we would expect, I mean, the, the, because they see patients uh, sporadically. They don't see them for long periods of time. But when they do, when people do have responsibility for patients over a long period of time, they really are interested in figuring out ways for patients to uh, genuinely participate in their care and figure out ways to make sure that that uh, participation is useful both to the patients and to the provider. It ends up being you, a much more satisfying experience. You mentioned um, the type of illnesses that we can call incurable, meaning they go on, they're persistent, but my profession or erstwhile profession has no actual cure. It may be able to provide treatment and the treatment may be able to may be helpful, but it isn't curable. How important a factor is that, do you think, in the reaction of providers to what the association is doing? And how important is that? in the perceptions of patients and their family caregivers? I think the thing, that, the thing that's really interesting is that, the, that modern medicine started off with the notion that they would be able to both identify and cure all, all, all the um, infectious diseases that they were faced with. About 100 years ago, 120 years ago, most people, the vast majority of people were dying of acute infectious diseases. And in fact, that mission to um, to uh, start to um, uh, reduce the number of people who died from acute infectious diseases was, has been extraordinarily successful uh, for a whole variety of reasons, not just including medicine. But the the that success has left us with large numbers of people who who are suffering from these long-term conditions like diabetes, um, like uh, um, lung disease, uh, like diseases, heart disease, which which last for a very long time and and progress either more or less quickly, um, depending upon how much uh, interaction there is and how much people can do to it to help their disease. But the kinds of things that people can do include not just medication and not just medical intervention, it also includes a lot of a lot of changes in lifestyle, uh, what you eat, uh, how much you exercise, and so on. And since there are those kinds of changes, and since people's habits vary, the treatments have to be much more individualized. They can't be so standardized as they are for acute episodes of these conditions. And I guess just by way of a quick summary, it's right to say that once 
you get broadening out into questions that you call lifestyle and other things, then the family caregiver has considerable and probably growing influence. So that, in a way, is extending us outside the traditional healthcare system. Now, we've reached the stage where we have to pay our rent. So we're going to take the short break now, but we'll come back to all of these points um, in the next and following segments. So this is Dr. Gordon Adderley. My guest is Dr. Shalom Gluberman. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We will be back. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Just because you're a kid doesn't mean you don't have an important voice to be heard. You are our future, and you need a forum to be heard. Tune in to American Pulse on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll talk to the student leaders of America and find out what they're doing to make a difference today. You'll be inspired to start working now for a brighter future later. American Pulse is heard live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids channel. It's time to lead by example. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iRadioBlog.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Shalom Gluberman. Our topic is Patients Association of Canada, Families and Family Caregivers. So let's talk about the challenges created by medically incurable illnesses for patients and their family caregivers. Now, Shalom, you've already said some things about this, but please just expand on what the challenges are that are faced by, first of all, patients living with these conditions, these illnesses that we call medically incurable. Well, most of the time, because the ways in which uh, the diseases affect different people is different, and the ways in which they affect them at different times is different, then, then one of the things that must happen is that, is that people have to find the best way of living with the disease and, and trying to stop its, its, its progress as much as possible. So if you take, for example, um, high blood pressure, which is the beginning of heart disease, well, high blood pressure just doesn't have a single uh, kind of, there's no standardized treatment for it. 
that the high blood pressure can be controlled sometimes by diet, sometimes by exercise, sometimes by medication, sometimes by a combination of all three, and sometimes by a series of different medications that have to be brought together in a cocktail. I mean, that's not at all unusual. And finding out how to control it requires interactions with the individual patient, and the patient has to participate in those interactions in a variety of ways. It's not simply a passive response to the, to the practitioner that helps people to control their high blood pressure. And the same thing goes is true for other diseases which are very progressing very slowly or trying to be controlled, where what you really want to do is to avert the acute episodes of those diseases and to, and to also stem their advance as much as you possibly can. Um, and, and, and there isn't a formula. So, and once there isn't a formula, it's challenging to figure out how to, how to respond to it, that you have to try things. You have to, uh, some of it is experimentation and trying out what works. Uh, some of it is, is uh, changes of lifestyle that people, that people find very difficult at times and so on. Let's ask the same question, but now about challenges faced by family caregivers. And we're obviously talking, Shalom, about caregivers who are providing caring for family members who are living with these medically incurable conditions you've just been talking about and maybe others as well. Shalom? Well, one, one of the things that happens immediately if someone for, is, is diagnosed uh, with uh, high blood pressure is that you have to change their diet. I mean, changing diet to, to include less salt usually, uh, changing diet to, to be much more careful, about, especially about salt intake. Uh, if someone is living with diabetes, then the, the food intake of that person uh, should be changed and, and has to be changed by, very often by the caregiver. Uh, so your the, the food eating habits and and cooking habits and how the household is set up begins to to shift uh, when, when someone is properly treated with diabetes that those are really parts of it so the challenge is very often for the family for many of these these diseases uh, for many of these diseases that begin quite uh, um, very often appear suddenly uh, and then uh, require require control or require ways in which one can deal with them. And, and that, that does put a burden on caregivers immediately. If the diseases are neurological, things like early stages of dementia or Alzheimer's, then, then the transition is much more extreme. And, and, uh, and even though it's a very slow transition, it puts an enormous burden on, on caregivers. Let's, same, same, it's the same question, but let's explore it in relation to cancer. Cancers, some cancers are curable. People walk away and there's no further risk. Others, it's not so successful. And there comes a point in those kinds of cancers where really um, we're looking at end-of-life care. You know, it's as you very well know, this is yeah. called palliative care. Please, could you talk about the challenges faced by family caregivers in that situation where somebody is known to be in the grip of a condition of cancer for which there is no cure and for which the outlook in a, in a medical way is hopeless. So I think that those are, that's the condition that my father faced when, when he died. And uh, the, whole, the whole process is uh, much more fraught and much more difficult 
the one of the the things that's beginning to happen is that there are uh, palliative care processes that that do include the family, but the a lot of the burden of dealing with with grief and dealing with loss. Uh, and at the same time, trying to uh, be with the person as they're dying is an enormous burden on people, and it, it's a very, very difficult transition for most people. It takes a huge amount of their of their energy and a huge amount of their um, of their personality to to do this. Uh, the supports for it, and very often much of the burden of care is put on the family without without uh, payment, without support, without very much support. Increasingly, there's being support, but that support has to be organized and has to be uh, stronger, I think, than it has been in the past. Let's now talk about the benefits and the challenges that you see in bringing patients and their family caregivers together in a single organization led by the Patients Association of Canada? Well, I, we're, we're working on, on some of these problems right now. So one of, the biggest, one of the biggest differences between providers and patients is that they see things differently. They see, uh, they see issues differently. So sometimes there are burdens put on families by, care, by, the, by, the, uh, by families and caregivers by the providers without being aware of the consequences of these things. So the, because care is, is very often very fragmented, people have to find, uh, find support for what they're doing in many different places without, and, and, without, and, and without knowing what services are available or what services are involved. Uh, certainly this is true for end-of-life cancer care. Um, there's no one-stop shopping for a lot of this stuff. So you're in the cancer ward, you come home, you're given, given home care, but then the shift to palliative care very often is quite hard. It's hard to find the proper unit. It's hard to get the kinds of, the kinds of services that one needs. Um, the, I think that, that when the patient perspective is brought to the design of these services, you begin to see uh, how, how they should change. And, and patients are very good, and patients and caregivers are very good at articulating those differences and, and seeing them and pre- presenting them to the providers who want to, who want to make things better for them. Um, at Baycrest, when we redesigned the day of moving in, the the um, the process of admission was was very risk averse and and was um, very difficult for families, and, and life was made more difficult for families with very few changes and at, at at no cost to the institution. The whole thing could be changed once you bring the patient perspective into the patient and family perspective into the into the mix. Now, talking about perspectives, there's a group um, known in the healthcare business as double-duty caregivers. And, Shalom, as you know, these are nurses and physicians who, so to speak, on the day shift, are caring professionally for patients in hospitals, healthcare facilities. But during the night, their night shift is caring for members of their own families, um, spouses, siblings, children. And they very much go through this dual experience of providing and, in effect, delivering care, but in the two different contexts of provider and family caregiver. Please say more. For example, are many of the providers or any of the providers that are interested in your work, are they 
identifiable as double duty family caregivers? There are lots of them. I mean, that's one, one of the things that's really interesting is that our, the reach, the people who understand the the understand how different the patient perspective is from the provider perspective are providers themselves. And there are many providers who have had significant patient experience or significant experience through family uh, family members for whom they are providing care. So they are particularly uh, good at uh, picking out some of these differences and at, and at, and at working with them. So we, we, we uh, very much appreciate their help when, when it comes. It's a big difference to have them around because they do understand um, uh, how different the, the, the provider perspective is from the patient perspective. It's, carry on. Well, I mean, when the, when the Patients Association began and even now, our reach is primarily, oddly enough, to the provider community. Uh, they're, the ones who, that they're the ones who both as, as family caregivers and as providers understand why patients must be involved. I mean, they understand that really well. So we, we, we think that that's a major feature of, of the Patients Association, that we do attract large numbers of, of, family, of family caregivers who are, who are also uh, from, the patient, from the provider community. Now, I just want to turn that around, um, and this is an early episode of Family Caregivers Unite, where a mother was describing the care she delivered to her child the child was dying from uh, one of these terrible diseases of childhood. And she says on air, there were things that I was doing for my child that I, she believes could really only properly or legally be done by uh, a registered licensed healthcare professional. Have you come across that? And what's your kind of response to that situation? I, I, what I've come across is the, the things that I've come across more than anything else is the, is the um, realization by the recognition by the family member that there are things being done by the providers uh, to, their, um, to their family member that are, um, that are at the edge of uh, propriety, that they're, that they're not doing the right thing. Um, that's much more frequent than uh, than uh, people uh, um, breaking the law to do things that they're not allowed to do. Uh, that that I've, I've seen quite a lot of. People do. One of the things that is true and that does happen a lot is is that the use of medication and the way in which medications are provided really does uh, change when it's caregivers who are doing who are doing the providing and users. So their people are much more careful about medications and much more careful uh, and much more able to use medications in ways that are, are not necessarily prescribed. We do have quite a lot of that. Right. Now, it's uh, the time where we have to take the break, and so okay. we're going to do that, do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Dr. Shalom Gluberman. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We'll be coming back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests 
new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. The incidence of autism has increased at an alarming rate. Approximately 1 in 150 children are affected by autism, giving autism the undesired ranking as the most prevalent childhood developmental disorder in the U.S. 67 children will be diagnosed today. That is nearly one child every 20 minutes. Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica, hosted by Terry Aranga, illuminates how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Autism is treatable and given appropriate therapies, children are recovering. With well-known researchers and doctors, members of Congress, and expert service providers from a wide range of disciplines, Terry offers interviews and insights highlighting the progress in areas related to autism spectrum disorders such as biomedical research and treatment, communication, education, and behavioral modalities, sociological and philosophical issues, and legislative advocacy and insurance concerns. Autism One, a conversation of hope, broadcasts each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Autism One, a conversation of hope. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Shalom Gluberman. Our topic is Patients Association of Canada, Families and Family Caregivers. Let's talk more about the challenges that have got to be overcome or must be overcome in bringing patients and their family caregivers together in a single organization led by the Patients Association of Canada. So, Sean, what I'm going to ask you, first of all, a general question. What are the most important challenges you're, you foresee in overcoming the challenges and what major strategies do you advocate for overcoming these challenges well i think that the major the major uh, obstacle is that is that just like the healthcare system is very fragmented into into different specialties and into different kinds of institutions so is the patient and family population um, that that uh, people people who have a relative or who have themselves are suffering from a particular disease tend to be interested only in not in that disease. And so what they do is they put um, their energy, if they're going to put their energy into any kind of volunteering, into the disease association with that's 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 tied to them. Uh, the, the consequence is that in many of those disease organizations are not built around providing services or supporting the experience 
of the population that they're supposed to serve, they really are dedicated and historically have been dedicated to finding a cure. So this is true for uh, the, many of the cancer organizations. It's true for, uh, for many of the heart, the heart disease organizations. It's true for uh, many of the, 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 the diseases like diabetes and liver disease and so on. So the, the consequence is that much of the effort um, that happens to uh, caregivers and families who have these diseases who want to try to fix the system or, or change in which the system is made is when it goes towards trying to find the cure, run for the cure, dance for the cure, and so on. When our, our organization is not dedicated to a particular disease, but to the experience of patients overall in the system and trying to improve that experience. And so, and so the, uh, we're, not well, we're not as well known as the, as the, as the um, particular organizations that work with uh, particular diseases. Uh, and we don't uh, put our money in research uh, uh, to try to find cure at all. So um, our, our, our objective is to try to improve patients' experience and try to improve the way in which they transition through the healthcare system. But that really changes things, and it, it, it is an obstacle to get, um, to, to get through to people to say that there is another issue, and the issue is the broadest issue of, of patient experience and the family caregiver experience through the healthcare um, through the healthcare system. And we're beginning to understand uh, that and beginning to understand how to reach people. I mean, a program like this should be able to inform large numbers of caregivers that it would be useful for them to add their voice to ours. And it's very simple to do that. Go to the website, Patients Association, uh, uh, and you could put in Patients Canada, for example, and you would reach our website. And that would uh, allow you to uh, sign up. And the sign-up doesn't cost anything. It just simply adds your name to the voices of those who want to improve the patient experience in Canada. Now, still with the idea of challenges, and in a way, that, that word is saying, let's not talk about so much about the particular diseases. This is your point. Uh, but let's talk about the experiences, where the experience was challenging. Um, so let's talk about challenges in that sense that you see from healthcare systems, professions and institutions. What are the major strategies you advocate for overcoming those challenges? Well, right now we're in a particularly fortunate time. The, the, I think that people in the healthcare system recognize that change in morbidity in the population. They recognize that the system is structured around acute episodes of these long-term chronic diseases rather than dealing with the diseases over time. Uh, so, so, and, and they also recognize, and they also have recognized that, that uh, patients and family members must begin to be involved in the system. So they don't know how to do it. And I think that just as patients don't know how to participate because there has been no very little experience of that, so, so do organizations not know how to do it. But they're much more willing to engage patients in their activities than they were in the past. And, and that's the breach that we're beginning to fill. So we do have a lot of, um, uh, a lot of contact with uh, healthcare provider organizations who want patients to start to become involved in their activities. And it's beginning to happen. And we're welcomed in. We're not, we're not be, there's not that much pushback as right. there was, let's say, five years ago. 
Now, same question, challenges, but this time from governments and their healthcare-related agencies and organizations. Um, do you see challenges? What are they? And what are the strategies that you advocate for overcoming them? Uh, very often, government wants to legislate uh, patients into into activity in the healthcare system. And we we and and every time they legislate it, what happens is that because the patients aren't prepared and the organizations are the patients aren't prepared to engage and the organizations aren't prepared to receive, what happens is you get a standoff, and that the and that the, these attempts in the past. Uh, to legislate patients into positions of uh, some authority in healthcare have failed. Um, so the the uh, that I think is the biggest one that government goes will go too quickly because they they jump on the bandwagon and think that they can create policies that will do this. On the one hand, on the other hand, I think that the that that uh, government um, doesn't recognize the tremendous value that caregivers give already to the system and the amount of effort that's put in by them and the cost to them for for engaging in family caregiving for many of these conditions. Uh, we know in Canada, a, uh, a cancer doctor in Canada said that if you have a child with cancer, one child with cancer, uh, then you'll be uh, somewhat impoverished. But if you have two children with cancer, then you're going to lose your business if you have one. Uh, that, that despite the fact that in Canada we have a publicly funded health care system, the cost to a family of having sick children is, is, is incredibly high. And I imagine that in other countries, in the United States, for example, that the cost of having even a single disease can bankrupt a, a family, and I, I know that that's partly true. So the, these co And the costs very often are costs even for people who are insured people who are covered by insurance. So there are other costs that are, and the burden of cost and the burden of caring is put onto families in a way that makes the system more efficient for itself, but makes the lives of the people who are being cared for much more difficult. I think that that's a huge challenge. Now, I'm going to turn the question upside down, and that is look at it from the perspective of the potential for family caregivers to be and to be seen as um, members of the healthcare team, especially in relation to the incurable illnesses. In other words, um, and I want to know what you think about this, family caregivers might be the eyes, ears and voices for the family members they're caring for and the people that those voices are heard by when the system is working are the nurse practitioners, the family doctors, the people in the clinics, the people in the hospitals, in such a way that the family caregiver is, in effect, a member of the healthcare team. What do you think of that? I think that that's beginning to happen. I mean, that, that's one of the, one of the things that... Um that is is really important. There are other roles for for family caregivers as well. I mean, one is that, and, and that they take on already. They not only are members of the healthcare team for their own family member. They also very often become, become support for other families that have a patient that has has a particular condition. This is especially true for families with young children who have cancer. That the parents of a child who has had cancer really feel very strongly that they should also help others, and that's one of the other things that's that started to happen. So the the joining the healthcare team is beginning to happen very slightly. I think that the that uh, the patient and the caregivers uh, must become part of the team, uh, especially for long-term conditions. That that makes a huge difference to everybody. It 
it really responds to the one of the key points, maybe it was the first I mentioned, where family caregivers, when these things first are diagnosed, when the condition first strikes, so to speak, they, they, everyone I've spoken to says, I felt alone. So in that sense of um, seeing the family caregiver as someone who's interested in helping other family caregivers is speaking to that kind of situation that I, I, I've listened to people describing, but not necessarily in these words. It is as though a family caregiver has traveled the road, a tough road of family caregiving. That's right. Uh, yeah, gets to a certain point, then looks over the shoulder and sees someone, another family caregiver, or maybe a group of them, starting out on that road and reaches back to give them a hand. Now, there are all kinds of ways in which that does does happen. Is that something that you're witnessing, experiencing? Oh, yes. Uh, and it's something, I mean, one of the things that's, that also turns out to be the case, that this is not just true for long-term conditions, it's true for almost all uh, healthcare activities. People who have had, who experienced that particular activity are, are enormously helpful in, 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 for other people who are going to do this. I spoke to a uh, uh, a surgeon, a cancer surgeon, who said that that uh, patients who have ex have experienced cancer surgery, if they provide the information to new to new patients, the 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 success rate of the surgery is vastly improved. So the the usefulness of of patient advisors or patient mentors who help people who have previously had a particular condition is is um, pretty much well established now. I think that it's not w well used yet, but uh, it's well known that that uh, if you've had a knee surgery or if you've if you've gone through the experience of knee surgery, giving someone else, explaining to someone else what it's like and and what the procedure will be and what you can do that will make the process easier, is something that's um, that's uh, widely understood and should to be, be encouraged. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. Yeah. Um, what I'd like to respond to you in this way, by people who, so to speak, have been there, done that, experienced yeah. that, talking to others who are about to go through those processes is really very important, isn't it? Because it's giving a perspective uh, from somebody who isn't talking from necessarily from vast, shall we call it technical, medical and scientific knowledge, That's but right. rather what it felt like and what it felt like as a family caregiver for a, an aging adult slipping down into Alzheimer's for a, a family looking after a child with a lethal illness. Those kinds of voices are really very authoritative. So I'm just wanting to wind this particular segment up with that sense that um, bringing the family caregiver into the picture as a member of the healthcare team in all the ways, Shalom, that you've described is a very strongly positive thing to do. And you've said to us that, yes, it's starting to happen. Maybe it's got to accelerate, but nevertheless, we're on the right path. So on that optimistic note, I'm going to take the short break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Dr. Shalom Gluberman. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CGMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We will be back. 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to laugh yourself silly over the crazy happenings of the celeb world and beyond? Tune in to Behind the Mask on Voice America Kids. Your hosts will uncover the celebrities you know and love, along with some that you might not know in this country, but they are admired across the world. But it's not just the famous that need to look out. We'll look inside the music biz, stage, and of course, the big screen. Listen to Behind the Mask every Thursday at 8 p.m. on Broadway and 5 p.m. Hollywood side on the Voice America Kids channel. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Shalom Gluberman. Our topic is Patients Association of Canada, Families and Family Caregivers. Shalom, I want you to talk to us about what more you would like to do and you would like to see done to help family caregivers caring for family members with these medically incurable illnesses by joining them with the Patients Association of Canada. And I want to hear, please, and you to share, please, your messages for healthcare professionals and family caregivers. So first of all, what specific steps are you planning to help family caregivers by joining them with the Patients Association of Canada? Well, we, we see, we, we, we believe that um, becoming active in healthcare can take uh, at least the following three forms. People can be advisors to healthcare organizations, uh, help them develop policies and, 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 and redesign services. The second thing is they can be mentors, as we were talking about in the last segment, to other families, and we can formalize that and help people take on these kind of mentoring responsibilities if they want to, and many people want to. Uh, the third thing is that they can begin be educators. They can start to teach uh, healthcare practitioners more about the patient perspective and and to actually uh, bring uh, many more people into the fold, so to speak. So, and we've started uh, work in all those three areas. So, if patients, if there are patients and family caregivers who want to, uh, or who are ready to begin to do that, they can get in touch with us, and we can help them find a place where they can they can begin to do that. Um, we, we also are trying to bring uh, people who are 
engaged in the system together because they just like they don't have an organization to represent them and they don't have yet have a way of meeting each other and talking to each other about their experiences so learning more about what it's like to be uh, a more active in the system and taking on uh, ways of doing that and and seeing how uh, other people might do it understanding how to make that uh, more effective uh, is something that we're doing so we are having a um, a, uh, a conference in April of 2013 that will bring together uh, people who are patients and family caregivers uh, uh, who are engaged in the system in, in an active way by either being uh, giving advice to organizations or mentoring others or, uh, or educating people. Um, and uh, we're going to have that conference in, on April the 3rd in Toronto. Uh, and we look forward to uh, those people who would like to join us to come. We will have, uh, there will be uh, a very slight charge for people uh, and when they sign up, but it's uh, going to be nominal uh, because we want to bring as many people as we can as possible to, to that. Um, we're also uh, doing other things. Uh, for example, we've applied for a grant to begin to train people to be more effective when they engage in these kinds of activities and so on. Right. We expect that you have quite a lot to do in the next little while. Certainly sounds like it. Now, what's your message for family doctors, other healthcare professionals, and governments and their healthcare agencies about family caregivers joining with the Patients Association of Canada? We're very interested in, uh, I mean, our reach is primarily to family doctors and uh, healthcare professionals in government. So we, we uh, they know, many of them in Canada know who we are uh, and know uh, what our mission is and uh, very much approve of it. So um, we would, we would like them uh, to know that um, if, and to help us find patients and family members who would like to join us and who would be good potential candidates for becoming members of the Patients Association and contributing to the, uh, the uh, development of, of patient and family advisors in the system. Uh, we also think that they have to think about uh, how they go about listening to and hearing what patients and family members have to say that there's some work to be done still to uh, make sure that um, that the healthcare professionals begin to uh, realize how much value can be added to the healthcare experience by patient and family caregivers uh, becoming um, becoming more active in the system and becoming uh, more important players, as it were, in, in how healthcare is delivered. Same question, but this time... What's your message for family caregivers about family caregivers joining with the Patients Association of Canada? Uh, we, we think that that uh, that there is a lot to be gained. I mean, we we also have services that are directed at uh, at patients and family caregivers. Uh, we're we're working on and developing uh, ways in which under, helping people understand ways in which they can both provide compliments to the system in a better way so that they can they genuinely celebrate good care because there isn't very much of that going on. And, and also we think that there should be ways that people can complain about care that's bad. It's very important to be able to complain that complaints are really important in being able to change the system. 
Uh, we think that that uh, complaining well and complaining effectively is 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 also an important uh, step in uh, changing the way in which healthcare is delivered. And so we're beginning to think about how we go about uh, helping people to to um, to both complement and complain more effectively than they have in the past. Just we think that patients and family caregivers should join the patients association and 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 increase uh, and make the the general voice of patients stronger and family caregivers stronger in both Canada and the United States. Their voice isn't strong enough yet. They don't have enough of a of a of a voice together. They aren't yet able to express their perspective on many of the issues that they face, uh, everything from the way in which uh, uh, drug costs have risen exorbitantly to all the way to the way in which services are tremendously fragmented, and finally to the way in which much of the burden of care has been placed on, on family caregivers uh, and taken away from the institutions where they properly belong. Let me just bring two things together. You, you, you've just been talking about one is um, messages for um, family doctors, messages for family caregivers. Um, are you going so far as to call upon family doctors and other healthcare professionals to act as recruiters, so to speak, for family caregivers in joining with the association? Would you go that far? Oh, sure. I think that uh, that if doctors uh, are listening to this program and they have patients who they think would would like to participate in the system, then certainly they should help recruit them. And, and I think that it would uh, my, my my view, and I think the view of the Patients Association is that if we can manage to improve the experience of patients, we'll improve the experience of everybody who works in the healthcare system. Right. Now, obviously, my next question um, has a, a sort of vested interest embedded in it. But I'm beginning, having listened to you, I'm wondering if it would be interesting for everyone, but especially our listeners, to have, shall we say, a family doctor or a nurse practitioner um, as one guest and as um, a family caregiver as another guest, talking together and exchanging the kind of ideas that first of all, they have, and secondly, the kind of ideas you've been talking about. Now, I know that's a leading question, but what do you think about it? <laughs> I think it's a wonderful idea. I mean, my, my, my view is that we should, that the more we have contact between these two groups and the more people can talk together about ways of dealing with long-term incurable diseases uh, and, work, and working at it together and finding out finding out what their roles are more clearly and, and making sure that the division of, of labor is appropriate and, and supported, that those kinds of discussions require that kind of partnership. So the more we can have those kinds of discussions, the better. Right. Thank you. Now, just another one. You're talking about the subsidy. You didn't use that exact word, but that's what it comes to, that family caregivers are providing to healthcare systems, and this is true in Canada and it's true in the United States, because they devote so much of their time and effort to this caring, which relieves the healthcare system to some extent, and also because they are putting their own money 
into the care, which is fair enough, but to the point where they themselves start to suffer psychologically, physically, or financially because of the stress and strain. So I just want you to quickly summarize by saying whether you agree with that rather than <laughs> vigorous analysis. I think that that's, 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 that's a funny question because it's not really a leading question. It's something that must be said over and over and over again that, that because, because of the way the system works and because it's so focused on acute care, any care that's not acute ends up being subsidized by family members and family caregivers. So what we have is we have a huge amount of subsidy that happens in the healthcare system, because of the way it, because of the way it, it has been organized, to um, to to put to put much of the burden on families rather than on the system itself. So this started to happen in the 1980s, when uh, they the notion was that lengths of stay in hospital were too long, that people couldn't recover in hospital. Now and and hospitals became. Uh, places where only very sick people should be uh, was the idea, and that the, the notion and hospitals became worse and worse places for patients. The trick was to get them out of there as quickly as possible. Uh, getting them out of there as quickly as possible meant that you were shifting burdens right away, and the burden became shifted to um, to uh, uh, families and family caregivers from the hospital. Not just the, the time burden, but also the economic burden of care outside the institution. So we, we, this is not a, uh, this is not a, a new a new problem. It's one that's been around for quite a long time. And talking of economic things, money, funding, cash, whatever, is a huge issue right across North America and in many other countries regarding healthcare, the costliness of it all. So one would think and hope that governments and others would see that supporting family caregivers, speaking well of them, encouraging them and recognizing them would actually be a good investment uh, for the sake of the healthcare system. Now, that's my last leading question. But what do you think of that one? Well, of course. I mean, the 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 um, in 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 many places, the the thing that uh, people you see. I think that the underlying notion here is that is that uh, patients and family members in healthcare are considered to be a free good. Uh, that they they are there for the benefit of the healthcare system, uh, and that and that whatever uh, costs are incurred by them are secondary. That the important thing is that once they're helped by the system, anything that they do would be wouldn't shouldn't and 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 won't cost the system anything. Um, I think that that's part of the the problem that we face. That it has to be clarified that since we're all in it together, that we should understand what the costs are to all parts of the system, and we should make sure that the costs are equally distributed and are appropriately distributed so that there's not an overwhelming cost to the, to the patients and family members. Got it. Now, on that point, we have to close, unfortunately. So I want to say, first of all, thank you to Shalom for sharing with us all your thoughts, your insights, and your advice. And on behalf of everyone, I wish you every success in your work and I, anything I can do through Family Caregivers Unite to help 
promote this idea of family caregivers and patients uniting with the Patients Association, I would be glad to do. I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear from you about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. In our next episode, we'll talk about mood disorders, stigmatization, and family caregiving. Please join us, same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host 